0: You will need a Bible to follow along with us today. So if you did not bring one, feel free to get up and go back to the back door. Pick one up that you can use for this morning. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture from from uh, the Acts of the Apostles. The book of Acts, chapter 2. And we will look at that in just a moment. We have been, in these last weeks, looking at the the whole concept of illuminate, of how Christ has brought light into our darkness. And that is going to feed in and inform what we will be studying in God's Word in the coming weeks. What we're going to be doing now for a few weeks, we're calling it Why. Why? Because uh, we'll be asking different questions. Why this? Why that? And so, uh, so we'll look and see what God's Word has to say about that. During December, you had opportunity to give, uh, to bless people who were flood victims down in the southern tier, uh, and we, we had that gift delivered to them. Uh, but, uh, some of our missions people went and purchased gift cards, over $1,700 worth of gift cards, which were taken down to families during the holiday time, to bless them, families that are trying to recover from from the devastation of losing just about everything. And so I want to thank you. You have been a blessing and an encouragement to them. Well, today, today, we're going to be looking at the question, why am I a part of the church? So I'm going to be answering this from my perspective, why I am... A part of the church. I haven't always been inclined to be a part of the church. That was not my parents' intention. I was taken to church the first Sunday of my life. And most Sundays ever since then, I have been in church. I can remember having church on the side of Mount Hood in Oregon when we were camping and uh, we were on vacation. So we still had church together. I think Michael was the song leader and Peter read the scripture. And and so on the side of the mountain in the woods up there, we had a church service. The church, why are we a part of the church? Some people aren't real enamored with the church. And so why should we be a part of the church? Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin reading at verse 42. Here are some words that that are written about the church. It's just kind of a summary about the church. This is written right after the account of what happened the first day there ever was a church. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, all kinds of exciting things happened. A crowd came to see what the disciples were doing. Peter preached to them, and over 3,000 people were baptized that day. Now, you wouldn't like it, maybe, if we had 3,000 people baptized today, because it would take a while. But what better thing to celebrate? You have nothing better to do today than to celebrate people finding new life in Jesus Christ. But then after it told about that, it put these words to say, now this is how they did church. This is what they did. So it says... Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, why am I a part of a church? Well, the first reason is because Christ loves the church I have found out I found out very quickly after I got married when you love someone you don't always continue your life just according to the way you would have done it if you were on your own when you love someone you change your expectations you change you don't do what you would have planned to do otherwise I found out very quickly after we got married that Karen on Saturday mornings expected that I would get up and go with her to the farmer's market and be there before 6.30 in the morning. I thought Saturday mornings were for sleeping in. I didn't sleep in. Because, because of the love I had for her, I changed what I planned to do on Saturday Morning. Now, I will tell you, quite honestly, I did not always enjoy it. There were plenty of Saturday mornings I thought, oh, you have got to be kidding. But when you love someone, what they love is important to you. And Christ loves the church. He doesn't just kind of like the church. He loves the church. And this is what the scripture says. Paul is giving instructions to husbands, but he brings in these words about the church in it. And he says, husbands, love your wives. Don't you women think that's a good idea? Oh, maybe not. I thought everybody would say amen and get all excited. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Christ loves the church. Now, we need to, right here at the beginning of our conversation this morning, we need to understand that that there is a corporate side of church, and a lot of people don't like the corporate side of church very well. And sometimes people get all distracted, and they think the church is the corporate stuff. I can assure you, Back when I was in high school and decided that what God wanted me to do was to be a pastor, I didn't think at all about doing anything corporate. I thought what I was supposed to be doing was to be uh, teaching people how to follow Jesus Christ and, and, and focus on the spiritual side of things. But there are some corporate aspects to the church. There always have been. In fact, back in the book of Acts, they found out very quickly there were corporate sides of what they had to do. One of the things they did, you heard us read about it, they gave money to people who were in need to help them with the difficulties they face. We do that. We talked about the the money to Indicott. But here in our own church family, we have a crisis care fund. And you give to it. And from time to time, we help people when they get into some kind of financial crisis, like they've lost their job or something like that. And and so they were doing that. And... uh, They found out that they were having problems because this group of widows were getting help, and the people who spoke a different language said, You guys are neglecting all of the widows. When you start helping people out of the crisis care fund, you don't help these people. The apostles, by now, you saw how large the church was. By now, the church is thousands of people. They said, We can't, we can't be in charge of passing out the crisis care fund because we just can't keep track of it all. We have so many other things we've got to be doing. And so they prayed about it. What shall we do? And God led them to choose seven men that they called deacons, which means servants. And these seven men were placed in charge of the crisis care fund and of taking care of making sure the people who needed it were the ones that got it and the the apostles didn't think about it anymore. But that was organization and that was a corporate kind of thing. And so, you know, you got to have the corporate stuff like a roof over our heads, especially in Rochester in January. It'd be hard to have church on this lot without a roof, wouldn't it, in January? That's a corporate thing. So there have always been corporate sides of things, but what has happened from time to time is people have gotten confused about what's most important. And sometimes Christians have have focused on on the corporate and said, the corporate's what's important. Make the corporate work and, and focus on building the corporation. And they have forgotten the mission that Christ has given us. They have forgotten that all of the organizational pieces of having a group of people who live and worship and serve God together, all of those corporate pieces, they're just a tool. They're not the goal. They're not the purpose. They're not the mission. The corporate stuff is just to enable us together to encourage one another, to bring glory to God, and to live the life that God has for us together. So there have been times, even when the leaders of the church have not given good advice or had the proper focus, there have been times where where the corporation was everything, and some huge mistakes and disasters have occurred. But the church is the people of God, and Christ loves the people of God. And all these corporate pieces that sometimes distract us, they're not supposed to be a distraction. They're just supposed to be there to Free us to serve God together. And so, Christ loves the church. Don't ever let corporate things distract you. And if you ever feel that the leaders of the church are getting all all out of balance with corporate things, well you say so? Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. Christ loves the church. Christ loves his people. Well, here's the second reason I'm a part of a church. Salvation Salvation is all about community. It's all about reconciliation. Now just you know this, but just think about it for a little bit. Who is God? God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He has been always. It's not like there was God, and then God decided to become Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has always been three and one. So much love and community that the three are one. And out of that community of love, God created and his purpose for all that he created was for his creation to experience and live in this very same kind of love and, and, uh, and community that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in. And so he planned for us to live in that kind of thing. But we all rebelled. We were created in community with God, but we have everyone rebelled and we've broken community and we've gone our own way and we've caused the chaos and the darkness that is a part of life on this planet. But God didn't, didn't abandon us. He didn't say, well, I guess community doesn't work. God said community is the only thing that works. And so... From before the creation, because he knew we'd be rebels, he planned to restore us, to reconcile us to him. When we rebelled, we alienated ourselves from him. When we rebelled, we alienated ourselves from each other. You can read the story in Genesis chapter 3. There's a, uh, there's different dialogue going on between God and Adam and Eve there. And you can see very well that Adam and Eve don't have the same relationship after they rebelled and chose self-life and self as sovereign. You can see that that brought division not only between them and God, but between each other as well. But God, he's a healer. It has always been his plan to restore the community, to restore the love, to restore what was lost in the alienation and the separation. And and this is what Paul wrote about it. He said, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You see, that's what God's kingdom is all about. It's about divisions and separations. Being made a part of the past. So that now there is community and love. And don't you wish where you work there was community and love sometimes? Do you, do you work at a place where there's something else besides that? In your homes, is there always love and encouragement, community? Or sometimes in your home, is there something else that isn't so good? Love and community, the, part of the reason you like it so much better than strife and discord is because that's what you were made for. And God plans for a complete restoration of everything in the age to come. The Bible talks about that. And Jesus Christ said that what is happening now as we come to him and become followers of him, that life in the age to come, it breaks into our lives now. So that we don't have to live just protecting ourselves, taking care of ourselves, separate on our own. But instead we can live in community where there is love and encouragement and and safety for us. The church is supposed to be the safe place because God's community, the community that is a part of life with Him, has broken into our world and we get to experience a part of it. Now there have been times when church architects have tried to help people to even see this so that the way they would construct the church it was you come in from our into the church building out of the the chaos and strife of the world and they would have the insides decorated absolutely remarkably with a, I've been in churches with gold ceilings I've been in churches where there's all kinds of beautiful stained glass windows, carvings, everything is just out of this world almost. And that was the purpose. So that when you came in, you said, oh, now I'm safe. This is like heaven breaking in to this world. This is the safe place. So in the church, we come in and we don't experience condemnation here. Here, we are set free of guilt and shame. Here, we are not judged. Here, we are not criticized. Here, we are loved. Not just by God, our Father. But we are loved by each other. And encouraged by each other. The community of God that was lost when we all rebelled, it has been restored. And we get to live in that now. That's what the church is supposed to be about. There is not in God's Word any kind of idea about Lone Ranger believers. I'm doing it on my own. Just me. People bother me. So I'll just stay home and read my bible or watch tv church or something like that because you know i get together with people and, and people are a mess well you know what we are i didn't say that we get together and we're perfect and we're finished and we never we never injure one another and we get it all perfectly right no i said we get together and we allow god's love to work through all of us imperfect People as He is transforming us. Well, the next thing, why I am a part of the church, it's because the church provides the sacraments. Here in this scripture that we read in Acts, it says they they came together, they broke bread, as many as believed, and they were baptized. The sacraments are are one of the ways that the grace and love of God, the life of the age to come, comes breaking into our lives. It is a gift of grace and mercy from God, and it is in the church that we find the sacraments. I am a part of the church because the church disciples me. The church guides me and helps me to understand how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What that's going to look like as I live my life. In these words that we read, it said they devoted themselves to some different things. One of the things they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? Where are you going to find the apostles' teaching? Where am I going to find it? Well it's right here that's what this is thankfully the apostles and some of their friends wrote their teaching down for us and gave it to us so we have the apostles teaching we can be devoted to the apostles teaching as well and that's what that's that's very important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ For we have all lived in darkness, haven't we? The confusion of sin, where we didn't know what ought to be done. There are plenty of times we looked at different kinds of dilemmas before us and we made decisions based on what we just thought we were doing the best we could and it was the wrong decision. Some of the decisions have been disastrous. Decisions. Because we lived in confusion and darkness. We've talked about this. We've seen what God's Word has to say about it. So we've lived that way, not knowing, not knowing at all how to live life. And now we have come to Christ, and He brings light to us, and He teaches us. He taught His apostles. His apostles teach us. He teaches us how to live. How to live in a way that is a part of the community, a part of the love of God, instead of the old way where we were just taking care of ourselves and taking care of our stuff and trying to make sure we were okay. So the church disciples me, helps me to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Now, to know how to do that, it's not just about knowing some stuff. No, here's the list. Memorize these 50 things and you've got everything you need to be a disciple of Jesus. No, being a disciple is about being a transformed person. The Apostle Paul, writing to, to disciples of Jesus in Rome, said these words. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now listen to this. This is what is happening in the life of a disciple. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, that darkness, that chaos, that confusion, that is all around us, a part of our culture, because our culture is not the community of God. So he says, don't conform any longer to that, but be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do you know what God's will is? You're facing some decision. How do you know what God's will is? Well, when we've been transformed, when our minds have been renewed, we are aware of what God's will is. If we're confused about what is God's will, then it just means there's some transformation still needs to take place. Because it says very clearly here, doesn't it? When we are transformed, when our mind is renewed, then we know God's will. So, he says, be renewed in your mind. Here's what that's all about. I lived in darkness way too long. I acquired some habits. Some habits of how to think about stuff, how to process life. I learned some things as a kid on the playground. When someone acts like this, you do like this. Somebody's a bully, smack him in the face. That's how you take care of yourself in this life. Is that right? Some of you say yes, some of you say no. Okay. I just learned some lessons, but much of what I learned was not right. Because... I was just learning and trying to do the best I could in the darkness. I didn't have the light of God as the 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 director of my life. I was not presenting myself, as he says to do here, allowing the Spirit of God to work in me. Well, now that I have become a follower of Jesus and I have done that, there's still an awful lot of stuff. I learned, but I learned it wrong. I don't even know what all that stuff is. You did the very same thing, and you don't even know what all that stuff is. It's just we think, well, that's normal. That's what people do. It may be normal, and people may do that, but that doesn't mean that is the right thing to do and the right way to process things. And so here when he's talking about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, he's saying... We need the Spirit of God in our minds teaching us the community of God, the kingdom of God way to live life, the the love of God way. And it's very different from when you're just trying to take care of yourself in the darkness. And so that's what's happening in discipleship. It means our minds are being renewed We are learning God's way of living life. God's way of dealing with different dilemmas. And so I need the church. It's when we get together, I learn from God's word. I learn every week as I get these messages together, as I study God's word, I learn new things. And I say, oh. I never understood that before. My mind's being renewed. I wouldn't write messages if you didn't come to hear them. So therefore, my mind would not be renewed without you. The church, we, we, we do that together with one another. We talk about our challenges, our dilemmas together. And someone says, well, this is what God's word says about that. Or someone says, this is what God taught me about how to approach something like that. And together we renew one another's minds. We need each other to help us have our minds renewed. That's why we have things like community life groups. Many of you are a part of them. We get together, we read God's Word, we talk about what it means, how it's lived out in our lives. I want to encourage you be a part of a discipleship group where you can talk God's Word over. We don't do too much back and forth talking. In services, it'd be a little bit chaotic probably if we did. But in a group, it's small enough. You can do that. You can ask questions. You can challenge one another. You can say, I don't think it says that. Or I don't think that'd work. And so together we learn. That's what happens in our Christ life solution groups. There, we just... Some people are afraid of Christ life solution groups. It's the discipleship is what we're doing. It's, but they're afraid because we just kind of lay our lives out there in front of other people. And they say, hmm, well... I mean, it gets messy sometimes in those. You know why? Because we're a mess. That's why. But instead of finding condemnation and shame, which is what a lot of us experience about our messes, we find there are people speaking the love and the truth of God to us. And we find that God delivers us from shame and guilt And he opens up to us this transformed life. And so, I am a part of the church because the church disciples me and guides me in following Jesus Christ. I'm a part of the church because the church keeps me focused. When I'm away from the church very much, when I'm away from you very much, I start focusing on all kinds of stuff. i got plenty of stuff I can look at and worry about. Do you? I got the mortgage. I got bills. I got different kinds of problems. I have different kinds of challenges. And it's easy for me to just kind of slip back into some of those old habits of how to live life that I acquired while I was living in the darkness and start implementing some of that old way of handling stuff. But when I come to the church... When I'm with the church, then it's like, oh, yes, here is the truth. It refocuses my mind and keeps me from sliding off into that old stuff which didn't serve me so well before and is not going to serve me well now. And it keeps me focused so my life looks a whole lot more like Jesus and his spirit is able to work through me. So I'm a part of the church because of that. And I'll tell you this, I can't go two weeks. I get out of focus faster than that. Now, I know some of you, you say, going to church every two weeks. Well, that's plenty for anybody. Well, it isn't for me because I get out of focus faster than that. And I would guess you probably do too, if we're going to be real honest here today. So I want to encourage you. Be a part of the church to keep your life in focus. The church reminds me of my mission. I have a mission. I talked about it last week. You have a mission because you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He didn't just save you and me just because he wants us to feel good and get together and sing songs together and uh, and just just have some joy. He does want us to have joy. Jesus said so. But he saved us so that he can work through us to bring his light into the world. Because where you work, I bet there's some darkness. And Jesus says, I don't want there to be darkness. I want to transform the darkness by my light, the light of my love. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to shine it through you. And the church reminds me, it's not about me and me taking care of myself and my problems. When I come to church, I'm reminded, oh yeah, I've got a mission. You see, we don't come here just for ourselves. And we don't come here as just, oh, well, save me from all the chaos. We come here to get encouraged and we come here to get strengthened. And we come here to, to have people pray for us and ready to go back out in the darkness and change it with the light of Christ that is in us. That's what we come here for. And so the church reminds me of the mission, the purpose of my life. Then the last thing is the church is a source of encouragement and friendship. Friendship. And it really is. That's what it's supposed to be to us. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. Fellowship is not really what we do when we say, okay, now we're going to greet one another here at this point in the service. I guess you could call that fellowship, but that is pretty shallow stuff that you can do and just uh, walking around shaking people's hands. No, when they talk about fellowship, it says they met together in one another's homes. They ate together. They shared together. They they did life together. They gave of themselves. They encouraged one another. They needed encouraging. Sometimes you do too. Sometimes I do too. And so... The church is a source of encouragement and fellowship. God's plan is not for you to struggle along and do the best you can all on your own. God's plan is for you to live the life of the age to come now and experience the community of love, the restoration and reconciliation now. Not just reconciliation with God, but reconciliation with people And so he gives us the church, people to love us and care for us and encourage us and cheer for us, people to be our allies, as together we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Here at Calvary Community, we have... A, a purpose statement. It comes from that scripture we read earlier in the service during, while we were singing that scripture from Colossians chapter 2. And, and so here's, here is there's three pieces of it. This is what Calvary community is all about. This is what the Church of Jesus Christ is about. Encouraging hearts. United in love. And knowing Christ. So I want to encourage you to just really be a part of Christ's church, his new community. I want to encourage you to receive strength and encouragement as we come together and study God's word. I want to encourage you to be discipled, to be transformed as your mind is renewed. I want to encourage you to be a part of the mission bringing light into the world as you are filled with the Spirit of God as you are a part of His church. For we live in the light. And the darkness will never be the same for us again. So let us give thanks for the church. And let us truly be the church the way that it has been described in God's word for us. A community of love and encouragement where we know Christ together. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask for your blessing upon us. We are about to go out into the world into our culture, which is filled with great spiritual darkness. We're going to have bosses, family members, friends, who try to get us distracted and going off in directions which are not a part of your plan for us, which are a part of the old darkness, the old habits that you've delivered us from. So we pray that because we've come together, and we've encouraged one another. And we've listened to the apostles teaching through your word today. We pray that you will be able to use us as lights in our world. Not people who are who are overcome by the darkness. But instead people who overcome the darkness with the light of your presence within us. Reconciled to you reconciled to one another. And we pray that you will use us powerfully, even this week, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.